When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, you need energy efficiency when you are hosting a podcast, especially after a holiday weekend when you're recording late at night and we just put the kids to bed. You need energy efficiency when you're doing that. But you also need energy efficiency if you want the most out of your windows and doors. I'm looking at Pella's website right now. I'm looking at one, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella. The one that Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. It's big time stuff right there, people. For more information on how Pella can make your home more comfortable and energy efficient, check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good pals at Runza. Did you know that Runza has a mobile app? They do. Runza's got an app. And you better go straight to the App Store, like right now. Well, listen to the pod and then 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 go to the App Store and download it right after you listen to this pod because you realize you can order food on the app. You can have it ready to pick up in the, the restaurant. You can earn points for rewards. In fact, when you download the app, you can get $5 off your first order in the app. It's arguably the best app of all time. That's just my opinion. So go download the Runza app, get Runza, get rewards, then get more Runza. That's what you got to do all on the app. Runza makes it all better. All right, like I said, it is a it's it's Monday, July fifth. It's about ten o'clock at night. Got the little ones to bed, uh, and I hope everyone had a great and enjoyable Fourth of July weekend. I know I certainly did. It was beautiful weather, good food on the grill. Man, it was just it was fantastic. And you know what, man? This is supposed to be the the quote unquote slow sports time of the year. Uh, but there's kind of a lot going on right now with the NBA Finals. The NBA Draft is coming soon. We got this NIL stuff, name, image, and likeness stuff going into effect. We're four, we're five days into it now, and college athletics is just going nuts. Seems like every day there's a new big thing happening online with that. Um, there's a lot going on. But I, I wanted to dial up a solo pod focusing on two main topics. This name, image, likeness stuff, because I got a lot of thoughts on that, and Nebraska's athletic director search. And I want to start there with this 80 search for Nebraska. Then I'll hit on a bunch, a bunch of, of name, image, likeness stuff because I've thought about it a ton uh, over the past four or five days. But I, I, I want to start with this, the Nebraska's 80 search. So again, recording this, July 5th. I mean, at any moment, a hire could get made. Who knows? But July 5th is about 10 o'clock at night. But I was thinking about this, the, the, the AD search uh, for Nebraska. And it's interesting, man. Like, Oftentimes, we don't look at these things from the right perspective. We all look at it from the perspective of kind of like us, us being the media, Nebraska fans, us vetting and judging the candidate, right? A.K. do we want that guy? Do we like that guy? Oh, I don't like that guy. Ooh, he'd be a good hire. I don't think that'd be a good hire. We look at it from, from one perspective, our own. But isn't it interesting, we very rarely look at it from the other perspective, the other way around. If I were an athletic director, 
Would I want this Nebraska job? Would I want to be the AD at Nebraska? And, and just that simple lens flip is interesting to do. Over the weekend, I was doing that. I was driving driving to see family in Omaha and then at, at Big Sandy Lake in Ashland. I was, so I was, had a lot of time in the car, you know, like, and I was, I was thinking about that. Putting myself in an, in an athletic director candidate's shoes and thinking about the Nebraska athletic director position. And to me, something became quite clear in, assess, in assessing the position. An, an AD candidate needs to, to ask himself or herself two simple questions. And the answers to those two questions can clear up quite a bit for them. The two questions every athletic director candidate must ask themselves when assessing the athletic director position at Nebraska. Number one, do I believe in Scott Frost? And number two, do I have it in me to navigate potentially firing Scott Frost or dealing with things if Frost doesn't get this thing going in the right direction? Those two questions are massive questions. And the two biggest things you got to assess if you are a candidate. Do I believe in Scott Frost? Do I have it in me to navigate Firing Frost or dealing with things if Frost doesn't get this thing going in the right direction. Hey, Scott Frost and his status as a former Husker national title winning quarterback combined with his 12-20 and 20 record in three years at Nebraska make assessing this whole situation really interesting if you're an athletic director, an athletic director candidate. Because the reality is this. Let's just cut the bullshit. Like, the reality is this. If Frost gets this thing turned around and gets it going, maybe he wins eight, seven, eight, nine games this year, and then he starts to contend for a Big Ten title consistently. He's he's on top of the, the, the West, and he's playing for a Big Ten title consistently, right? He's getting it going, winning nine, ten, maybe even 11 games. Then guess what? This athletic director job is great. It's, it is actually pretty easy, pretty stress-free. You got the golden boy head coach rolling and the state's most important thing, Husker football, winning. The stadium will be full. Everyone will be happy. The facility, the $150 million facility is already underway. Like, not to mention the basketball program's in pretty good hands with Fred Hoiberg. No one's too concerned about that in a lot of different ways. Will Bolt, you j- just signed a new contract. He's leading the baseball program. Plus, you, you basically got the best volleyball coach and best volleyball program in the country. I mean, that's legit, right? All that's in place. But the only way all that comes together and all that is rosy and peachy and awesome and you're kicking back drinking lemonade every day is if Frost gets it rolling. Because if Scott Frost doesn't get it rolling, doesn't get it going, doesn't get this thing turned around, and let's say he continues to struggle, then this job becomes really, really, really hard as an athletic director. Firing Frost or navigating those waters 
is going to be extremely difficult. I mean, you know it. He's a Wood River Nebraskan legend, national championship winning quarterback. And even if Nebraska continues to struggle and continues to not go to bowl games for the next year, two, three, four years, there will be a pretty good chunk of people, a pretty good chunk of fans who won't want Frost to be fired. So good luck having to be the guy that would fire Scott Frost in that situation. And I've thought about this. I think this fan base, if Nebraska were to have to part ways with Scott Frost, I think this fan base would go into a major depression crisis if Frost truthfully, if this Frost thing doesn't work out. Because for so many people, for so many people, Scott Frost was the answer. He was the savior. And if if that fails, that's a tough thing to navigate for an athletic director to the fans. Because I've said this for years. Think about it. Every single coach after Frank Solich that didn't work it was easy to explain why it didn't work. It's not hard. Bill Callahan. Well, he's an NFL guy, never coached in college before. West Coast offense. Are you kidding me? Bad fit. Come on. Bo Pelini. Well, he'd never been a head coach. He's a hothead. He's got a temper. He, he, he didn't fit how Nebraska fans want their head coach to act, et cetera, et cetera. Right? Mike Riley. 62-year-old head coach, 62-year-old career 500 coach who never won any championship and spent his entire career on the West Coast. Mm, Yeah, it's pretty easy to see and explain why that one didn't work. But Scott Frost is different. I've been, I I did daily sports talk radio on 1620 The Zone and for one year in 93.7 The Ticket in Lincoln. From 2009 all the way till 2019, a decade. And I fielded phone call after phone call, email after email of every listener and Husker fan from Beatrice to Scott's Bluff to Norris to North Platte, like of who need, what what does the coach look like that's going to come in here and get it going? And basically... The person that all those emails described was Scott Frost. He checked every box of what the, all the fans have said this program has needed to win. Need a Nebraska guy, a guy that's a new age, but he's old school. He, he, he need a guy that understands Nebraska. Need, need a guy that understands what this program needs. You need a guy that's been a head coach. You need a guy that's had success as a head coach. It's like Frost. You look at that. You're like, check, 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 check. I mean, if that guy doesn't work, I worry about the state of the program moving forward and the fan base moving forward. I think a lot of people will check out and some, not complete, not everybody, some apathy could set in for for a, a, a decent chunk of the fans. And if you're an athletic director that has to navigate that, good luck with that one, buddy. Good luck. 
So not only do you have to potentially fire Frost, which would be absolutely brutal. I mean, brutal. I, I can't even, like, my brain won't even let me, like, go there as to what that would even look like, what the vibes would be like around here, the conversations. Brutal. But then you will also have to deal with a fan base that is really, really scarred emotionally as well. Basically, it's a nightmare situation if you're an, an AD. So to me, there's almost no middle ground to it. Like Frost gets this thing on track, then this athletic director job is awesome. It's one of the best. It's one of the best athletic director jobs in the country. Pretty relaxing, almost a dream job. But if if Frost struggles, doesn't get this thing going, then this this athletic director job becomes a nightmare. And I hate to paint it in such a black and white, euphoric and bleak outlook or terms, but I think if you're an AD, you got to think about all that stuff. Like if you're an athletic director candidate and you're assessing this whole job, you you got to think, okay, what's you know you you kind of pro con this thing. What's best case scenario? Da 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 da. Worst case scenario? Da 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 da. I just think that I think what I laid out is kind of reality. Frost gets this thing rolling, man, great job. Frost struggles, oh, man, oh, man. So to me, I think this athletic director situation and the candidates thinking about it and how they view it is extremely nuanced. And it, it it's they got a lot to consider. I mean, I haven't even mentioned, not to mention all of the political back channels of different things that clearly have gone on for the past two decades, like, Nebraska's had how many? I mean, five different athletic directors since two thousand what two thousand three? Since two, I mean, it's like yeah, it's it's. I could see if, if you again you switch the lens, you'd be like, uh, what? What's uh, I don't know about I don't know about that. But to me, if you simplify it all in a in in a place where football is king, naturally all roads lead back to football when trying to size up the job. Two questions every athletic director candidate likely needs to ask themselves if they're assessing whether or not they want to take the Nebraska athletic director position. Number one, do I believe in Frost? Number two, do I have an enemy to navigate firing Frost or deal with things if Frost doesn't get this thing going in the right direction? The answer to those questions are everything with this entire job to me. So, again, I'm taping this Monday night, July 5th. So, at any moment, kind of expecting some sort of announcement, potentially. You hope it happens sooner rather than later. But I just I can't wait to see who the athletic, the next athletic director is. And I can't wait to see how they answer questions about Frost and the football program in the moment. It's going to be really interesting to see. Okay, with this, this NIL name, image, likeness stuff that... Again, it's just amazing how just all of a sudden, boom, July 1st hit, and it's like the college college sports world just changed forever. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at White Castle Roofing, and I've owned two homes in my life, one in Omaha and now one in Lincoln. And both times, when I had some damage to my roof, White Castle Roofing was who I trusted 
with the job. I had some hail damage to my roof in Omaha. White Castle took care of that and did a great job. And then I had a leak with my skylight in Lincoln. My guy Ben from White Castle was able to come over, take a look at things, get the pieces needed to fix it, communicated every step, and boom, the crew was over and knocked it out quickly. Done and done. The crew was amazing, man. They're fast. They're efficient. They were awesome. Cleanup was a top priority. And most importantly, they did a fantastic job. You can't trust just anyone with your roof. And trust me, you can trust White Castle Roofing. Check them out online, whitecastleroofing.com. That's whitecastleroofing.com. White Castle Roofing, built with trust. Proven by time. I had another. I, I, I again, like I said, I was did a lot. Did a. I had about you know two three hours of driving this weekend. A lot. I had, a, I had a, another realization this weekend. I, I guess I had a thought. I had a realization on nil this weekend. Like I really had to like stare at myself in the mirror, and then I just kind of have a thought as I think about nil that I just can't quite shake. So you know what's what's weird is. I'm all for name, image, likeness rights for for these college players. I'm all for it. But when when I talk about it all, when when I when I think about it at all, when when I discuss it with anybody, all I do is kind of conjure up doomsday scenarios about it, and that's kind of weird, isn't it? It's kind of weird to be for something and then anytime it gets discussed. Like I'm sure a lot of you this weekend around the grill, around the pool, around the lake, everybody's like, hey man, how about this NIL stuff? And you talk about it, right? That's what I did at least. For some reason, I know it's like every conversation I had, I went to Chernobyl about like, well, what if da 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 And I just was like, why is that? I was in my car, I was like, what, what, Nick, what's going on with you? Like, what, why is that? And, you know, it's just, this is an interesting one for me because I was a Division One athlete and... I was beat over the head over and over about amateurism and the rules and all that stuff. And I think it makes me, I think all of that, my experience of being like in it makes it harder for me to just take all of that and hit delete. Cause that's what you kind of, that that's kind of what you need to do. And I think that's kind of what I need to do. I need to take everything I, I thought I need to hit select all delete Because I, I know for I think for me, and and probably a lot of you too, I've kind I think I've developed Stockholm syndrome with college athletes getting paid. Because forever it has just been ingrained: college athletes getting paid is bad. It's bad. It's bad. Cheating. 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 Unethical. 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 Terrible. Cheater. Unethical. Terrible. Cheating. Bad. 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 Right? Like that's kind of been the thing. Like when someone gets caught like cheating, ooh, they took pay, they took money, ooh, they paid a player. We act like they got caught like murdering someone, right? Like that's kind of like, oh my god, what a! I'm thinking I'm gonna be sick. He took ten thousand dollars. I think I'm gonna be sick, right? Like a reaction to it is so visceral. It's, oh my god, you cheater! Like he, you know, like he's Tiger Woods with all the like. It's just, it's weird, right? Like our reaction to it. But that's kind of the branding and that's what's been beat over your head. I, along with a lot of you, I assume have connected college athletes getting paid with bad. And I just, I need to shake that. Because, I, you know, I can remember 
and this goes to show you, I've been like afraid to tell this story at times. I'm like, man, when, when, it, when, it, when are with statute of limitations and certain things, and could I get people in trouble? Like, and this is stupid. The story I'm about to tell you is stupid. But I can remember right before Christmas, my sophomore year at Kansas. Okay, so this would have been 2004, I think. Yeah, 2004. The so Bill Self had a weekly television show, a little thirty-minute show. You've seen that with you know various coaches at Nebraska, but Bill Self had one. The main host to the Bill Self show was on vacation since it was right by Christmas, and. Since Coach Self knew I wanted to get into television, he suggested I host it, so I did. I hosted a 30-minute Bill Self show. I was awful, by the way. I hope those tapes have been burned and tossed into the ocean. I was terrible. But I did the show, right? Show up, dress nice, did the show. And a few weeks later, we were playing Kansas State. And this was in Manhattan. That's what's so weird. I don't know why this host would like this. We played we played Kansas State at Kansas State. And I'm I'm coming out of the locker room, and all of a sudden, boom, I run into the host who I filled in for on TV, the host that was gone that I had to fill in for. And he says, Hey, Nick, hey, real quick, hey, good job. I I, I heard everyone really enjoyed working with you. I heard you did a good job. And he reaches out to shake my hand. So I shake his hand, and in his hand was a hundred bucks. It's a hundred dollar bill, and I was frozen. I'm like, uh, um, in in my head, I was like, I can't take that. I'll be ineligible. I might, I'll maybe get KU in trouble. I could jeopardize this whole thing. I could jeopardize my career. I could jeopardize. I I told him I was like, no, 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 I can't. I no, it's it's no. But he insists. He's like, I take it. It's fine. Just take it. And I remember taking it and walking to the bus, and I remember feeling super worried, super concerned. I told one guy on the team, Jeremy Case, I was like, look, hey, dude, hey, dude, I just got 100 bucks. He was like, damn, nice. <laughs> like, but, but think about what we're talking about. Think how unbelievable. I was, I was shook. I was like, like I, I got back to my dorm, and I was like, man, do I need to go like tell Coach Self or Danny Manning about this and get like to get – I'm a freaking walk-on who took 100 bucks for hosting a TV show. I mean, come on. But I'm just telling you, that's where my mind is conditioned with this. And I got to shake it. Because I listened to someone like Jay Billis on a podcast uh, over the weekend. And I'm listening to Jay Billis talk about this. And kind of the way he talked about it, the way he laid it out, I found, my, I found myself nodding in agreement to a lot of what Jay was saying. I'm like, yeah, 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 okay. I mean, I, I can understand that. It makes sense. Yeah, that doesn't sound so bad. And one of, one of Jay Billis's points he made was, you know, listen, in the college sports industry, we don't worry about regulating or limiting coaches' salaries or facilities or t- television money, but we feel like we need to regulate and limit ath- the, ath- the athletes' compensation and how much they make, which feels inherently weird and wrong, to which I agree with him. Like, yeah, why, why is that? You know, when, when Coach K gets a $10 million contract or Scott Frost signs a $5 million contract, no, no one, everybody's like, yeah, okay, right. You know, when you break ground on a $155 million facility at a Brett, you're like, yeah, okay, all right. When I see Creighton's new sparkling brand new practice facility, I'm like, all right, sweet. But all of a sudden it becomes like that money's going to the athletes. It's like, whoa, 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 we got to get our hands around this. Whoa, 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 we got to cap it. 
and, and if you kind of think of it that way, you're like, this is that's weird. Like, again, that's that Stockholm syndrome. Like, you got to shake that. You got to shake that. So I'm really trying to just wipe my mind clean. I'm trying to change my mental approach with this, with this whole name image likeness thing. And when I say change my whole mental approach or change my mindset on this, again, I, I, let me make, I'm, it's not that I'm anti-players getting paid off their name. I'm more so speaking about kind of conjuring up doomsday scenarios for all this. So I'm, I'm going to do that and, and try not to worry about that. But before I completely go cold turkey on this, I guess I do, I really, I really have one concern or thought about all this that I do find myself struggling with. And that is just how this ultimately seeps into recruiting and then the ramifications of that. I can't quite shake that dynamic. It's one thing if, you know, uh, Cam Taylor Britt, after years of performance, he signs a, a deal to, you know, be on a billboard for whoever, for Pella Windows and Doors, right? Like, okay. But th- I think this is going to seep into recruiting in a major way. Because if, think, so if we think about the vast majority, I want to take a step back with me for a second. If we think about the vast majority of legitimate sports leagues, NBA, NFL, college football, college basketball, Major League Baseball, like there is generally uniform rules, parameters, guidelines that everyone has to adhere to in acquiring players and building their rosters. Generally speaking, if you think of any legitimate sports league, what I just said is true. Everybody is operating under the same general rules, parameters, guidelines, and how they're building their roster, acquiring players. NBA with their salary cap, for instance. NFL with their different set. Like, really look at any pro sports league outside of Major League Baseball, which has no salary cap. And it, all the teams are working with the same basic set of rules and resources to build a team for the most part. For the most part. And even though cheating and paying players has existed in college football and college basketball for forever, I actually think more schools than you think do it the right way. I think it's easy to think that everybody's just getting bags of money at every school. I don't know. I'm not so sure. Not saying it doesn't exist, but I'm not ready to. I'm not ready to just say everybody's doing. I don't know what everybody's doing. So in college football and college basketball, again, for the most part, things have been structured in a quote-unquote fair and balanced way. Each college basketball team gets 13 scholarships to build their roster. Each college football team gets 85 scholarships to build their roster. Again, I realize there there have been there's been extra benefits with cheating with that forever. But again, at least on paper, at least on paper, the way UCLA builds its basketball roster is within the same general guidelines of how Nebraska builds its basketball roster. Same thing in the pros. The way the Dallas Mavericks build builds its NBA roster 
is under the same general guidelines, rules, protocols of how the Minnesota Timberwolves build their roster. That's important. You may gloss it. That's really important. To me, there's a chance that is in grave jeopardy in college sports now with in a, with name, image, likeness, and it's inevitable seeping into recruiting. I just I worry about the integrity and spirit of competitive balance in college football and college basketball. Because I think now we, we are going to see big boosters basically kind of paying for players. And because I think I've used these ample examples a, a lot, but, you know, think about Oregon with, with Phil Knight and Nike. Why wouldn't he find a way and I act like he has to find a way. Why wouldn't he just earmark five to ten million dollars, which is nothing to Nike, literally nothing, and give massive endorsement contracts to the basketball players and football players at Oregon? Same thing with Under Armour and Maryland. Bo Rude and I talked about this on our last pod. So with with both those schools, it would kind of be understood what happens if you go there. You're a shooting guard. You're a five-star shooting guard. You go sign with Oregon. You're going to sign a massive Nike endorsement when you go play at Oregon. Or, I mean, hell, even think about Nebraska. They just raised $155 million for this facility from boosters, right? Like the money's got to come from somewhere. And I get there are tax, tax, you know, write-offs and different things that you can have. With with that, when you're when you're, it's a donation. But nevertheless, why wouldn't those boosters kind of just get together collectively and pull together ten, twenty million dollars and have that go to the football players? And so instead of a hundred and fifty-five million dollar facility, you got a hundred and thirty million dollar facility. I think you'll still be able to build a decent facility. Again, I'm not anti the players getting paid. But what I'm concerned about is is the integrity and spirit of competitive balance in college football and college basketball in how people build their rosters. And some people may be screaming at their podcast, maybe at their phone or something like that right now, Nick, there already isn't balance. There's no balance right now. And yeah, that's pretty much true. But so that justifies further imbalance? I don't understand that. Well, there's no balance already, so... That's a weird that's a that's a weird rebuttal to me. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors, and I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it, and how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable. And Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. That would be like the IRS saying, since there's already tax evasion, 
I mean, let's just let's just lift the rules on tax evasion or implement rules and laws that furthermore tax evasion. What? That that mindset puzzles me a bit. I would think we should all strive for better balance. Because I think that unless there, there are some semblance of guidelines and parameters with this thing, what I'm conjuring up is a fairly realistic scenario, people. And then, and then college football and college basketball become some weird version of Major League Baseball, a professional sports league where teams and how they build their rosters and acquire players vary team to team because there is no salary cap. And in that world, the, the gap between the haves and the have-nots gets even wider in, in, in college sports. So, I, again, I just think you'll, you're going to see money seep into college sports in a different kind of way. Like, and I think with this, I, I think it's going to seep into it in a massive way with recruiting. Because I guess I don't, and, and maybe it's because I just have no problem with it. And again, I, problem with it's kind of a weird way to put it. Like, I think we think of this NIL thing as when guys get on the field and produce, then they get a little deal with the local pizza shop, right? And that may happen. But I think what what's going to be more impactful is what happens on the front end with recruiting in a major way. I mean, listen, I was reading this story in The Athletic. I think it was Bruce Feldman who wrote this. I mean, listen to this, listen to this quote from an from a anonymous college football coach in The Athletic. I'm, I'll just read, for the, for, I'll read to the story. It says, As for fans who get disappointed when their school loses four- and five-star players from their own backyard to programs with very um, aggressive recruiting tactics, here's the quote from the anonymous coach. Quote, Well, now it's put-up-or-shut-up time. Boosters are allowed to pay people. If you don't want them to leave the neighborhood, hire them. Don't complain. You had a chance to land them. I just, that's, that's what I'm talking about. That kind of hits at the heart of a little bit of what I'm talking about. I, I think this is, I can't help but be a little concerned about what all that looks like on the front end with recruiting. Because every sports league, for the most part, for the most part, strives for a level playing field on the front end in terms of guidelines of building rosters and acquiring players. I'll just be curious to see how name, image, and likeness impacts that for college football and college basketball. Because as it stands today, there is nothing standing in the way of Phil Knight doing what I said he should do or could do. Again, I'm not anti-players getting paid. I'm all for name, image, and likeness. But I'm also all for the sports of college football and college basketball collectively being as good and as balanced as they can possibly be. So I just, I worry about those sports as a whole. That's all. Again, I'm not anti-NAL, but I, I worry about its impact as it inevitably seeps into recruiting and what it does to the competitive balance of, the, of college football and college basketball. Now, to be fair, th- this thing, I mean, again, I'm taping this on July 5th, 
this thing got passed on July 1st. Like it just went into effect. So like this thing got passed five, four or five days ago. So I think we all need to be patient and realize that it's not going to be perfect right away and allow for the people in charge to get their arms around this thing and, and find out how to best execute this to where the players are good and the sports as a whole are good too. Be interested to see what, what, what all that looks like. Okay, to, to wrap it up with some NIL stuff, I wrote down, I have 10 thoughts, questions, comments, concerns regarding name, image, license. I was over the weekend in my notes and my iPhone, I just kept writing down things. Again, I think we all got to allow ourselves a little bit of grace, just like kind of how I wrapped up that last take of like, this just happened, and we're all we're all trying to get our arms around it. We're all trying to sink our teeth into it. Whatever analogy you want to throw at, it. like we're we're all trying to th- we're all trying to make sense of this thing and figure out okay, what's this going to look like? Okay, what's the rule? There is no rule. Not every state has th- these rules, and so the ones that don't are just are making their own rules. Okay, so they can well, you know we all got to understand that like this is new, and we're trying to figure this thing out. But I wrote down ten. Name, image, and likeness, thoughts, comments, questions, concerns that I have on this thing as we're five days into it. Number one, I love players capitalizing on their time. The reality for a lot of college players is their market value and earnings potential from a name, image, and likeness standpoint is at its highest in college. Think of a guy like Tommy Frazier. His market value was never higher than it was in 1994 and 1995. Think of a guy like Eric Crouch. It was never higher than it was in 2001. Name was never bigger than, than it was then. Look, even a guy like Doug McDermott. I mean, this guy that's in the NBA. He, 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 is, he had just had a career year with the Indiana Pacers. But I could argue, I, I think his name was its hottest. His market value from an endorsement standpoint was probably the highest it, it it was his junior and senior year at Creighton. The, Amir Abdullah and Dominican Sue, Rex Burkhead, Taylor Martinez, they all could have they all could have made a ton of money while at Nebraska. Even on a national scale. Christian Leitner, name was never bigger than it was at Duke. Johnny Manziel, same thing. I could go on and on, but you get the point. And it's just unfortunate that those players couldn't capitalize on their name at that time. So I'm glad that we now will see players whose earning potentials and and name and image and likeness are at its highest. Now we're going to be able to capitalize, capitalize and make money when, when that's the case. I like that. That's number one. Number two, I do like, like forever these payments and these deals have been under the table. Now it won't be. And ultimately that's a good thing. I like that things are now taken from out of the shadows in behind closed doors and brought to light. No more, I've heard stories that in the South for football, casino chips for ball markers were big. So think like uh, you're trying to pay for some running back in Georgia. You, you, get, you hit a casino, you get a couple of $5,000 chips or something like that, and throughout the, throughout the round, you're marking the ball of the family member of the coach. Like, hey, I marked your ball for you, $5,000 chip. I've, I heard that was a thing. No more casino chip ball markers. No more briefcases of cash. Things will be done more legitimately in the light in a legal way. And I don't know who wouldn't be happy about that. 
And I and most of all, I'm glad we won't see dumbass things like what happened to Jim Tressel at Ohio State happen anymore, where players were exchanging autographs and gear for free tattoos. Got him fired. That's eh, so dumb. Or things like Reggie Bush and his family accepting money from an agent where he got now ostracized and banned from USC and his Heisman taken away. Like, that's, the, that's not going to happen in the future. And all that is good. All that is really, really good. Number three, this is maybe my favorite one. Could name, image, and likeness create a situation where players stay in college longer now? I think in a roundabout way, this this NIL thing could help solve what I deem as one of the biggest things that plague, in particular, college basketball, and that's continuity. People talk about a bunch of different things with college basketball. I think the biggest issue that plagues college basketball is college basketball is a continuity problem. With one and dones, players leaving early to go pro when they won't even get drafted, all the transfers, it's brutal for, for college for college basketball. Every year is totally different. Every year it's different storylines, different teams, different players. And that takes a toll on the fans, and I think it takes a toll on the quality of the sport as a whole. Maybe this name, image, and likeness thing helps that in a big, big way. Maybe the player who leaves early to be a late second-round pick or leaves early to go overseas will now stay another year because they could make just as much or more money in college off their NIL. Maybe the football player who's a junior who might be a six-round pick stays for his senior year because he could make the same amount or more money in college as a senior. Or, or something I was, I was really thinking about. These businesses, like when you're, when you're writing up a contract, you can add whatever language, whatever clause you want in an endorsement contract. You can add whatever you want. And I was thinking about this. Maybe, for example, maybe First National Bank, First National Bank Omaha, wants to endorse Hunter Salas. Maybe let's say Hunter Salas. We was making a decision in Miller. He First National Bank wanted to wanted to endorse Hunter Salas, and they wanted to pay him two hundred thousand dollars a year. Just throwing out a number. But they add in the contract that it's a two or three year deal. And if I know he was considering Creighton, so in in this hypothetical here. You add in the contract, if he leaves college, if he leaves Creighton, he forfeits that money. That that could be a way to get kids, high-profile kids, to stay for more than one year. Bryce McGowan's the five-star top 30 recruited in Nebraska. What if he signed a big, a big endorsement deal with someone locally and it was tied to multiple years of money? could be a great way to incentivize players staying for two to three years that would have otherwise likely left either by the amount of money or adding kind of a term length on the contract. I don't know. That gets me fired up. Because I think all that could be fantastic for, in particular, college basketball, but college football as well. Players staying longer in college could be a, a huge benefit to college sports. I think that that's like arguably my favorite thing I've been thinking about. Number four, talk about great real-world experience for these players. Was I the only one that, like, everybody talks about this? Like, why don't they teach you about balancing your, you know, like, 
balancing your budget and taxes and insurance and this stuff in school, right? Like, was that the only one that, like, when I graduated, like, I had I had a lot of knowledge, but I didn't know how to, like, operate and function in the parameters of the real world. Like, you, you're just like, okay, what? I got to do what now? This name image likeness thing will give these players great opportunities to learn about money, learn about mark, the market, their market value, taxes, how to deal with money, how to manage your time, how to deal with business relationships. The greatest teacher in the world is experience, real world experience. And the players will learn a ton about all of those things, taxes, how to manage money, how to deal with being someone that's not making the most money. How to deal with business relationships, how to say yes, how to say no, how to assess those things. All that stuff is going to be great. Are there going to be some sad stories? Yeah. Are there going to be some people that blow money or get taken advantage of? Yeah. But guess what? There are grown-ass men that that happens to all the time in our world, right? So I think this this is going to be... Talk about great experience for the players. Number five, another thought I had. I I worry about, I do worry that these players and the decisions they make are just going to be solely motivated by money. I get worried about that. I worry that a college decision on where players go will just solely come down to money. I worry that a player's decision to transfer might solely come down to money. I do worry about players using money as their compass for everything. Listen, money matters, but the older you get, the more you realize, like, ah, you, I mean, there can be short-term benefits from chasing the dollar in the moment. Like, money can blind you to what's really best for you. I know for me, I've turned down jobs that, that offer me more money. I've turned down a couple of jobs that have offered me more money. And I don't know if I'd have done that when I was 19, 20 years old, 18 years old, 17 years old. I don't know if I'd have done that. So I worry that a college decision on where players will go will just solely come down to to money. Player X is deciding between Wisconsin and Arkansas. And really everything is better for for this player, player X at Wisconsin. The system, the style, the fit, the relationship with the coaches. All that stuff. But Arkansas is telling Player X he's going to make $100,000 and Wisconsin is saying he's going to make $50,000. So they go to Arkansas. Yeah. Like that's that's a potential worry. Or or a player like Doug McDermott. Think about Doug. Blows up after uh, his freshman year. Has an incredible freshman year at Creighton. And then Ohio State swoops in and says, hey man, you should transfer, come to Ohio State. You're going to make $300,000 here. Off your name, image, and likeness. Come to Ohio State when actually Creighton is the better spot for his career. And that's the thing. These these players are still players. Like, don't get a twist. Like, these guys are still players. Like, even I thought it was Mitch Ballock tweeted something today. Mitch Ballock tweeted, first thought to all student athletes after the NIL news. Don't lose sight of the love for the game and the reason why you play. God, that's good. The Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my good friends at Runza. Everybody that knows my athletic background, you know, I was a quarterback in high school. But you know, I believe in establishing the run game. And even more than that, I believe in establishing the Runza game. That's an original Runza cheeseburger, some onion rings, double dipped in a homemade batter, 
little bit of a pop to top it off. You know, in football, you establish a run. But at lunch, you establish the runza. It's just that simple. So get out to runza today and establish the runza game or check out the delicious salads. You got the chicken bacon ranch salad, sweet berry chicken salad, and my personal favorite, the Southwest chicken salad. You got to get out to runza, establish a runza game, or get a salad. Either way, you are going to leave satisfied. Runza makes it all better. You're a basketball player or a football player first, and a good portion of your decisions need to be based in what is best for your playing career, not just your bank account. And that's a tricky thing. That That's a tricky thing that I think could get even trickier with name, image, and likeness, and I worry about that. I worry about that. Kind of ties into my big conjuring up of that doomsday scenario that I talked about a, a little bit ago. Number six, I wonder how the players and coaches, I wonder about the players and the coaches and kind of the sanctity of team will will get managed with all this stuff. Because the one thing I was thinking about, you, you, I don't know if some people hear about it and they think, oh, it can't be true. I'm telling you, I was, a, I mean, I was played basketball, Kansas and Creighton. And you like, when you hear about that whole thing about how a college player's day is jam-packed from start to finish, that is real. You got weights in the morning and then class, and then you got treatment, then you got practice, then you got meetings and film, and then you got study hall, and by then it's 9.30 at night. And it's jammed. And I just, I wonder, I can't help but wonder about when players are going to have time to do all this other stuff, all these other obligations, shooting commercials, photo shoots, recording things, appearances, autograph signs, meetings with sponsors, on and on and on. It takes a great deal of focus to excel as an athlete in high college football or high college basketball. And you wonder if this could just fracture your, your focus a little bit. You just hope that these players aren't biting off more than they can chew in the spirit of chasing a buck. And you just hope that you know these players are keeping their sport and their team, their team, the top priority. Because if, it, if it's the money that you're prioritizing, things are going to fall apart pretty quick. But money can be super seductive for people, man. And I just, I know how I was, and I know how the vast majority of my teammates were in college. Like, adding adding all this name, image, likeness stuff for certain people, I think about the guys that I played with. Now, I think the, the, the majority of guys that I played with could have managed this, not gotten distracted, not gotten their priorities mixed up. They, they could have handled this. They could have handled maybe not being the biggest earner on the team. or whatever. They could have handled this. Like when I was at Creighton, not understood, Nate Funk's getting more than me, and I expect that because he's better than me. And I, Anthony Tolliver's getting more than Pierce Hibma because Anthony Tolliver's the man. Like, but I'm going to tell you right now, I play with some dudes that would not have been able to handle that. There are, cert- there are certain dudes that I play with that this would have been a big, big problem on a variety of fronts. They'd have, their priorities would have gotten mixed up. They would have not handled not being the, the dude that's getting the most money. They'd have been t- I, I'm, t- I'm not saying everybody, there, but there are certain dudes that I played with that this would have been a disaster for. Can players stay focused on their team and the sport? Can the coaches rein the players in to keep them focused on the team and the next game in their sport? 
Like, can it can a coach or can it can a coach bite a player in practice or in film after game and saying, quit worrying about those damn billboards and commercials and focus on our defense's counter report? Like, is that gonna is can coaches do that? Can they play that card? Because all I know, <laughs> I mean. All I know is if I was fucking up things on the floor for Coach Altman or Coach Self and they knew I was spending all uh, like a bunch of time shooting commercials and doing appearances and all that, oh, Lord. Uh, Dana Altman might have killed me. Like, you better believe it would have been a thing. You better believe it. And, And forget even the coach for a second. Whether you like it or not, the other thing I was thinking about, these players are opening themselves up to major criticism in a different way with all this stuff. And, and listen, it is what it is, and it's fine, but it's just it doesn't change that this is gonna let's say let's say someone like Cam Jurgens. Let's say Cam Jurgens is all over the place with this NIL stuff. Commercials, billboards, autograph signings, appearances. You follow him on social media, he's doing videos and photo shoots, pitching products, all that stuff. Let's say Cam Jurgens is doing all that, and then he is snapping the ball over Martinez's head all game on a football on a Saturday. You, come on, man. You know how fans will be. You know how everybody's going to be. Hey, Cam, little less time doing photo shoots and filming commercials, little more time working on snapping the damn ball. You know that. You know that's coming. Right, wrong, and different, however you feel about it, you know that's coming. And the player's got to be able to handle that. And with the coaches, man, it's just it's hard enough to get 18 to 22-year-olds to think about we and not me. And I'm just adding NIL and money into the equation. That task gets even tougher, in my opinion. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it's like it's not a it's not a worthwhile venture, but I'm saying it's 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 going to be hard. It could be hard. Can a coach keep the locker room thinking about the collective group instead of and thinking unselfishly? Because you know now when a player doesn't get playing time, gets benched, doesn't get any catches, doesn't get any targets, doesn't get any shots, it's it's not just that they are upset about that. Some may feel like you're messing up my money, man. So, again, I'm not saying everyone will be like that. But I play with a few guys that one would have 100% thought like that. It had been, I play with a couple of dudes. I'm not going to name names. I play with a couple of dudes that this would have been a fucking disaster for. So, again, I'm not saying, like, don't throw in the towel and don't even try. No, I mean, this is, again, this is all real-world experience, but it's like, nevertheless, this is real. Number seven, another thing along this line is like, listen, I'm not one of those people, and it's kind of an odd thing where you, people that that maybe, I don't know who, I don't know if it's a straw man, but there are certain people that have, have certainly suggested this. I mean, hell, even Dabo Sweeney has said, like, if these players start getting play, paid, man, I'm a, I might just going to have to quit. He said that a couple years ago. Well, Dabo, no, these guys are going to get paid. So are you going to quit? I doubt it. But I, I'm not one of those people that thinks like, I only like college basketball and college football because I know those players aren't getting paid. Like, that's a weird thing. Like, 
And now that they're getting paid, now I don't like it. Like, I don't know who really, like, show me that person. I don't know. Like, you're telling me there's someone that's a diehard college football fan. And one of the main reasons he likes it, they don't get paid. And now that they're going to get paid, they're like, nah, I'm not interested. I don't know. That seems stupid. But I do think it's maybe a little naive to think that the infusion of money won't alter things a bit for everyone. Won't won't alter the experience for everyone. I'm not saying better or worse. It's going to alter the experience. Because the infusion of money into anything changes things. You, You can be best friends with someone. And then you two start a business and money gets involved, your relationship slightly changes. Your relationship slightly changes when cash is infused into it. And you just, you wonder how the fan experience will be. Again, I don't think it's a deal where people hate that these players are going to get paid and now won't watch. I mean, that's ridiculous. I don't even know who would even think like that. But I just think it'll be interesting to see how it alters the entire college athletics feel. It could feel a lot different. It could, it could feel a lot different for everyone. Or it may not. Maybe, I mean, or maybe won't even, like, we'll get into the season, like, oh, yeah, there is that name image likeness. I don't even, even thought about that. It might be like that, too. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Just wondering and, and kind of thinking out loud. Number eight. Along the, along the lines of that anonymous quote that I read from that Power Five coach in the athletic department, where he said, quote, well, now it's put up or shut up time. Boosters are allowed to pay people. If you don't want them to leave the neighborhood, hire them. Don't complain. You had a chance to land them. I wonder about pressures on boosters and businesses to step up. Could could there be this feeling for, for businesses and boosters who obviously are involved in business could there be this feeling like, hey, man, you want to help and support the program? Better give these players money. And if I wonder if you if you are now a business and you aren't involved, could you feel pressure from a variety of places to get involved? Like, I bet I thought Runza played it masterfully. Like, Runza's whole thing was perfect. I don't know if you saw on July 1st, they tweeted out, hey, first 100 Nebraska athletes that opt in, we're going to get an endorsement you know, amount and they're going to use their social media genius, right? Got a bunch of good pub, smart as hell. Shouts out to Renzo. But I guarantee you handful of local restaurants felt like, damn, I got to step up. I just, I just wonder if a dynamic will be created where businesses and boosters will feel like they have to get involved. Like you can't just sit on the sidelines now. Like that booster that crosses his arms and wants to call for a coach's head because he's not getting good enough players. In some ways, that depending on what that booster's situation is, the coach could kind of look at him and say, motherfucker, you open your checkbook, man. You want, you, you want me to get a better quarterback? You know what you need to do. Like I want a little bit of this. Like, I mean, again, that story in The Athletic, I'm reading from it. Let me read from it again. As as for fans who get disappointed when their school loses four and five star players from their own backyard to programs with very um aggressive recruiting tactics. Quote from this anonymous coach. Well, now it's put up or shut up time. 
Boosters are allowed to pay people. If you don't want them to leave the neighborhood, hire them. Don't complain. You had a chance to land them. It's almost like the onus gets shifted onto these boosters. Like it's almost like less off of some of these coaches and more like, okay. Open your checkbook. That's what that's what's happening now. That's the going rate. You want a five-star? Okay. You want a top 10 recruiting class? Okay. Well, cha-ching, bruh. Or think about this, like, because it's it's also like it could help, like. Let's say you're you're a downtown Lincoln hotel or bar or restaurant. I'd have to imagine business is better when Husker football is better. Right? That's not a crazy thought. Business is better when Husker football is better. Well, then wouldn't it make sense to maybe invest directly, a.k.a. the players, into something that to make Husker football better? Businesses can kind of, they can now kind of get involved in a way they couldn't before. I feel like that's an interesting element to all this too. Be interested to see what that looks like. Number nine, the obvious one, like which player is going to get the most in the next few years and how much will it be? I can't wait to see like what that, like. I'm legit curious to see both locally with Creighton and Nebraska and then nationally. Like, the next Tim Tebow, Zion, like, how much are those guys going to get? Locally, Lexi's son. Like, how much is Lexi's son going to get off of her, like, clothing line and all that stuff? What's that going to look like? Martinez. Is he going to be – who's going to make it the most? Is it going to be the quarterback? Is it going to be Martinez? Is it going to be Bryce McGowan's? He blows up, lives up to the hype. The next Creighton star. Like, who will it be? going to be interesting to watch. And then the last thing, and this is like way down the road, as like this is this is like the ultimate doomsday. Or not doomsday. I shouldn't say that. I got to, damn it, I got to, I'm telling you, I'm working on it, people. I'm trying to like get out of this. But could this, I was, I was thinking about this mowing the lawn. I don't know why I like to tell you what I was doing when I thought about these things, but it's something I like to do. Could, could this NIL, be a step toward the players collectively bargaining or unionizing in a way with the ultimate goal or issue long-term is a 50-50 revenue split with the television contracts, which would have a devastating impact on all other sports not named football and basketball. Hell, it it could potentially even have a, a pretty good effect on Football and basketball. TV money funds almost everything. I mean, these Big Ten schools cash a check for 50-plus million dollars every year. If that check gets cut in half, that's code red. I mean, hell, you saw last what last year was like in with the pandemic. People were ready to move heaven and earth to ensure that that television check was coming to town. If that ever gets cut, the domino effect could be enormous and those non-revenue generating sports could be in big trouble in college athletics. That's another conversation for another day, but that is something that I've been thinking about too. And we'll leave it at that.
just trying to get my arms and my my arms around this NIL thing, man. There's just so much. Like, I'm just, what is all this going to look like? It's going to be fascinating to see. Reminder, subscribe to the podcast. All I got to do is click that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any of the pods when they drop. Okay, we got some good stuff cooking up for you. I mean, we got football games starting next month, man. So, like, things are heating up. I'm going to have you totally locked and loaded for all the coverage, all the good stuff, wine pods with Bo, game recaps. We're going to be dialing up Husker Classic recaps here soon. 2001 Oklahoma's coming up. We got a lot of things cooking, man. So you got to make sure you you crush that subscribe button. Helps me, helps you. And you can email the pod, nick at nickpod.com. So we'll leave it there. Appreciate you listening to Nick Pod Podcast. We'll catch you next time. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.